So our sermon passage today comes to us uh, out of uh, Mark, uh, chapter 1, verses 4 to 11, and I will go ahead and read through the whole thing. So word of the Lord here. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. John announced, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the, with the Holy Spirit. One day, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Mm. Father God, we thank you that you are with us today, Lord, uh, as we connect over this Zoom using the technology that, that you provide and empower to us, Lord. May we hear your voice. May we hear whatever word you have for each one of us. Lord, may I honor your word and your truth and the words that I speak. Uh, may we not miss a thing that you would have for any one of us. Lord, we love you. We trust you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. And just adjust. There we go. So, in this passage, and we we talked recently, um, as we was as we did our first passage recently in Mark's gospel, where as he approaches his gospel, he's focused on action. So he he just dives right in. He his much of his gospel focuses on the things that Jesus did, uh, as opposed to much of. Uh, other teaching and other kinds of things like that. So he just jumps right in. So the couple verses that aren't part of the lectionary passage today is where um, Mark is linking back with Isaiah's prophecy and the, as Isaiah's prophecy that there would be a messenger that would come and prepare the way for the Messiah. And so he literally jumps right in. The messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached. Uh, so he um, he jumps right in, but he's what he's doing is he initially is he's going to link, he he links what's happening here with culture. So the um, the primary audience that Mark is writing is writing to are Christians in Rome, and so to to link this message with with culture of the day, anytime an important Roman authority was coming to. Uh, was coming to speak or coming coming into into Rome or into an area, uh, a herald would come before them. And when you when you saw them coming, you knew that somebody important was coming and people would gather to hear whatever message or to see whatever was going to happen. And so um, so Mark is linking that by focusing in on John as the herald, as the person who comes before to make the way. Um, begin beginning with John announcing Jesus coming. So his gospel, his introduction to Jesus talks not about his birth, but about his coming into um, um, coming into the area as he as he begins uh, begins his ministry and connects with with John. Um, Mark tells us that all Judea, 
um, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. So people were already seeking John, but what got what John was very careful to do was to set him apart, not for people not to confuse that he might possibly be the Messiah, but instead that um, uh, set, being very careful to provide the perspective and distance himself, saying that someone far greater than he is coming. Again, linking himself, linking John as the herald, um, linking himself as the herald, but not as the Messiah himself, um, making the way that that he would be uh, coming. But he also was differentiating himself from the Jewish leaders of the day. So if we step back and think about it, John was the first prophet uh, in 400 years. So in his purpose and his mission were very well established. They were revealed directly to Zechariah uh, in the temple before Jesus was before John was even conceived, and um, and his life was has been mission focused from day one. Zechariah prof prophesied it when they presented John at the temple. Um, so he was um, mission focused from day one, but he is also. Um, as part of living out that mission, spends a lot of time praying and seeking God to listen to carry out this mission, this purpose that he was created for, that was carefully laid out for him. So John does a couple other things to set himself apart from others. This passage describes uh, the clothes that he wore, um, the food that he ate, where he lived and ministered in contrast to others of the day. So his clothes were much like the prophet of Elijah would have worn, um, differentiating, un much unlike the elaborate robes with the tassels that the Jewish leaders of the day wore, that he was, um, he was distancing himself from them. He was coming with another message to point people to the Messiah, to redirect people from what had become the practices of the religious leaders of the day. <clears throat> they would wear their wear their fancy robes and walk around town. He talks about the food that he ate, um, locusts and wild honey. And while that seems really odd to us, <laughs> um, it was actually common in the wilderness. They would roast the locusts uh, and that was actually considered clean food for the, uh, for the Jewish people. And wild honey uh, was in abundance also in areas in the, in the outskirts and in the cliffs and other things like that. So um, again, not the elaborate food that might've been uh, enjoyed by the Jewish priests and others, but, um, but hum humble, uh, but still acceptable uh, and following the Jewish cu customs nonetheless. He also differentiated where he lived and ministered. So as I mentioned, he was in the wilderness, he was in the desert. Um, his place of ministry was was miles outside of Jerusalem, near the River Jordan is where he was baptizing people, uh, not in the middle of town. So the the Jewish priests and leaders walked um, walked around walked around in the middle of town, you know, waiting for people to recognize them and revere them and show them honor. Uh, he was outside, and people were coming were coming to him. He wasn't out seeking recognition for himself. He was. Um, he was teaching and preaching and the people were coming to them. So it was there in the river Jordan that he would baptize people uh, who were repentant of their sins and the baptism that, uh, that John, that John was doing uh, was he was, he was linking again with culture uh, in some way. So if, if a Gentile or other wanted to convert to, uh, to Judaism, 
they would have, they would do an immersion that would show the death of before and then rising, but the Jewish people were not baptized. And so he's much like Jesus flipped things um, on its side. Um, John did something that he took a Jewish custom, that right for those wishing to convert to Judaism and turned it around and redefined it as something for, uh, for the Jewish people to show that they were truly repentant and wanting to seek God's forgiveness. Now, this baptism that John, um, the, the baptism of John was, um, was an outward action to show an inward change of heart that people were truly repentant for their sins and wanted to seek God for forgiveness. It wasn't the act of this baptism itself wasn't washing away sins, but it was, was, it was an outward, outward expression of an inward decision um, and, it, and a desire to live a new way of life. And John was pretty ruthless in determining um, that and being determined that he would only baptize those who were truly repentant. I think we may have talked about this a couple of weeks ago. There were some of the Pharisees and Sadducees that came to be baptized for show, but were not repentant. And Matthew's gospel tells us that John wouldn't baptize them. He was, um, was truly connected that this was the first step to prepare the way for Jesus to people to, for people to see their sinfulness and to turn, um, to turn away from, from their practices and to turn toward God, <clears throat> excuse me, and to, to seek his forgiveness and closeness. Now, while we don't clean up before coming to God, it's important that we see all the ways that we do fall short. Um, we're human and the only person to ever live a perfect life is Jesus. Um, the Bible says that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. So we have this opportunity to draw near to God, to ask him to show us the, the ways that we might be falling short um, and to, to help us, to lead us, to, um, to give us strength. Um, so as we walk into this 21 days of prayer and we're seeking the heart of God and to know him more, and to understand his promises for us, we also um, can look to him to help him show us those places where we might be struggling um, and to look to him for answers and strength and help. So just asking, you know, what are those promises that we need to hold on to? What lies are we believing that are guiding some of our decisions? Um, we have that opportunity. So uh, there's additional significance to um, the river Jordan and the baptism there. If this is where the Israelites renewed their covenant with God and God renewed, uh, renewed it with them. And if the Bible will tell us when, um, when God parted the Jordan river for the Israelites to walk across, um, they weren't just standing there and waiting for him to part it and then walk through like we might a grocery store door that automatically opens and closes. They had to take a step of faith, um, before he parted it, you know, as they're walking with the Ark of the Covenant and the leaders put their, put their toes in the water, just had to take that step of faith. And then God would part the Jordan, the Jordan river. So this is the place where John is baptizing. Um, and it is the place where, um, where now Jesus will come. So 
John's words make a way. He's announcing that someone is coming soon. And he's again, differentiating himself from Jesus, someone who's greater than I am so much so that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. And then he says, I baptize you with water, uh, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So it's important that he's that he's deflecting the attention and the reverence of people off of himself and trying to point them toward Jesus. And the other thing he's doing here is by talking about the baptism that will come through um, baptism of the spirit that will come later is through uh, it was prophesied time and time again, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Joel prophesied that um, that with the Messiah, would, that the spirit would come with the Messiah. So he's also connecting that for people too, as he's pointing the way. And then you got to love how Mark just dives in. We said he's focused on action. He's he just he's talking about what John is saying, and then boom, <laughs> here's the action he shares about uh, how he's pointing the way. And then in verse nine, one day Jesus came, <laughs> and John baptized him. I've got to admire people that um, that are succinct writers, and that's Mark. Mark was this way. I once had a had a copy editor tell me that you can't write a sentence with 90 words in it because I can I can be really creative with semicolons and commas and phrases and, and all kinds of things. Uh, but this is just so, you know, boom, just one day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and John baptized him in the River Jordan. Boom, there it is. It's just right there. Just think about what that must have been like for Jesus to, uh, Jesus to show up and the other gospels uh, speak to this, uh, speak to this too. But John does baptize Jesus. And what happens when he does that is Jesus came up out of the water. He saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. So here's the amazing part. What happened when he came out of the water, heavens split apart, right? The Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. John saw this and imagine others did too. The different gospels describe this a little differently, but it's still the same thing that happens. Like when Jesus comes up out of the water, heaven opens, the Holy Spirit comes down on Jesus like a dove and a voice from heaven, God says, you are my son. Like this is my son, uh, dearly loved, and you bring me great joy. John's gospel also says, listen to him. Um, but think about this. Before Jesus had even done a single act of ministry, before he was obedient, before he resisted the devil in the wilderness, before a single miracle, before he called the people that God would, that God chose for him to be his disciples, before he remained connected with God in the midst of ministry that was difficult and hard and people pressing against him, countering the powers of the day before he taught or shared even a single word in public ministry, God opened heaven, revealed his identity, called him his son, named him for the people. He loved him before, just as he does with us. And he brings him great joy, again, not through those actions, through his identity as his son, Jesus didn't need John's baptism for the repentance of his sins because Jesus was without sin, but it was the way to Jesus and he would show the way. It was, it was the way 
the way to God is through Jesus. And he came to show us how to live and to model. And he was obedient to what, what the Jewish people were called to do, all of the Jewish traditions that he followed. Um, and his glory was revealed in that moment um, when he was baptized. So John knows and he sees um, and he hears God speak and he sees the dove come down. Um, but John is still human and John did not live a perfect life, uh, even though he was um, was very obedient and very focused to his mission. And it wouldn't be a lot longer after this that he there would be a time where he would have doubts and be a little unsure a time when he ends up in prison. And, um, and at one point he sends his disciples, John's disciples to Jesus to say, are you the one who was coming or should we be looking for someone else? Like we all have our moments of questions and doubt and John did too, even though he had seen what he saw at, um, at Jesus's baptism. So do we sometimes ourselves doubt God's presence or his power when things don't turn out the way we thought they might or hoped that they would or prayed over and over and over and over and over again that something would happen or an outcome would be different? But God can handle those questions that we have. Um, he invites us to him. Before we do anything, he loves us. We don't have to clean up our act to come to him. He just says, come to me. Um, he loves us. He can answer any of our questions. He will walk with us um, even before you were born, even before I was born. He loved, he loved us. Amid our good actions, our bad actions, our obedience and our missteps, he's with us and he guides us. And John the Baptist gives us such a strong example of faith and obedience and God's power even in the midst of humanness and doubt. So in these 21 days, as we're launching this morning, uh, as we seek him, God invites us to draw near, to hold close to his promises, to look at his word and to, to write it into our hearts and to live it every day. The Lord is at hand. Will we humble ourselves? Do we know how much he loves us? Will we ask him to show us what he sees and be willing to see and not explain away? what he's showing us. He invites us to let him show us the way. Um, to go to him with our questions, with our doubts, um, with our fears. Um, his word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. Again, not a spotlight, um, little flashlight, even a lantern in the dark uh, to light the way for us. He loves you. He is with you. He guides you and he wants to be the source of joy and peace and hope and love uh, and strength and power in our lives when we let him. Let's pray. God, you are good and holy and mighty and powerful and gentle. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the life of John. Um, we thank you for just the way that you um moved and worked in him and empowered him with courage to counter the leaders of the day, to make a way for Jesus, to remain humble so that he wasn't taking the recognition. Look at me, look at me. I'm the first prophet in 400 years. No, he was like, look at him, look at him. Wait for who's coming. Wait for who's coming for you. 
and for me. For God so loved the world. Lord, thank you that you loved us so much that you would send Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you would come to us, that in this passage we see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, um, all together as one, working as one. Help us to, um, to look to you, to trust you, to draw near to you in this time, to grow with one another, and to believe you, and to receive your love for who we are, not what we've done. We praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Ooh.